So, Ben Askren vs Jake Paul. The fight didn't go the way that I wanted it to go. And I'm sure many people like myself are sick and tired of hearing and even saying Jake Paul's name. They're seeing it all over the social media and the internet. But despite the fight going the way it did, um, there's something that prompted my curiosity. And that is fighters pay at the the difference between the salaries of boxers and mixed martial artists because even though Ben Askren did lose this fight he still went home with $500,000 which was you know that's still life-changing money for a lot of people for the average person and uh, Jake Paul who won went home with approximately $690,000 but you know th- even that being said What's really prompted my curiosity is the difference in salaries, you know, of the two uh, of the two sports, the two let me say, call them sister sports because they're both combat sports. Um, you know, when Jake Paul had beaten Ben Askren, he started calling out many big names of the mixed martial arts community: um, Dylan Dennis, um, DC Cormier, Tyron Woodley, Mike Perry. Mike Perry wasn't called up, but Mike, Mike Perry would have loved to fight him. Mean, Dustin Poirier helped stir the pot a little bit there, and you know, um, said that these two should should have a boxing match. Um, but it prompted my curiosity in that these guys were happy to take to take this um gun to, uh, in the boxing match because I think what really prompted their own interest in doing so was the amount of money that Ben Askren took home. So I, uh, I was won- wondering what is the difference and why is it that boxing usually tends to earn more money for their athletes for the for the athletes that do participate in the sport on a public platform. So basically, if you look at both sports, starting boxing, boxing is split into several tiers. You have the superstars, the professionals, and the amateur level. So superstars, as the name suggests, will start at the the, the highest level. Now here you have uh, the boxers who have who, who have a big, you know, well-known names because they've fought so many fights and they've won so many fights and they've performed really well. And they've got so far they've forged out a successful career for themselves in the sport, such as Anthony Joshua. Um, Tyson Fury, Mayor Khan, uh, Canelo, and even uh, Mark Tyson, even though he's retired, uh, currently retired. Now, at this level, uh, boxers can expect to earn approximately $60 million for a successful fight alone. So, even if you don't win that fight, you're still, um, and, and you're still a big, you know, a big name in the sport. You can still earn a really um, uh, big, you can, a really significant, well, I say significant, you can still earn some seriously good 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 money uh, for uh, just participating and uh, even if you don't win you can still earn a really a decent um, salary so if you don't win you can still earn a nice sum of approximately 25 million but on both uh, on both sides whether you win or you lose you will need a really good manager to negotiate the figures for you so you can still be compensated well enough for all your all of your hard work and, all, and for all of the abuse you have to endure to whether you know win or even you know um, lose the fight also, a lot of the earnings not only, only come from the fight itself, but also they come from the sponsorship deals. And even if you're a really big name in boxing, you've got a really big social media following on Instagram, Twitter, on Facebook, and you've got a really big YouTube channel or really big podcast, you can also earn money through um, through sponsorships as well. And of course, to be in this order, and to be in the, not order, but to be in this territory of of earnings, to be at this level of the boxing game to be considered a boxing superstar you obviously would have will need to have had years upon years upon years of hard work and training behind you as well as you know a lot of hard work i say hard hard training I mean a lot of training and hard work behind you so you know it doesn't come it doesn't come easy these are guys who have you know 
risen through the ranks because of all the hard work they put in into their craft, perfecting their craft every single day. They stay in the gym. They've been, you know, they practically live in the gym, and this boxing basically, is their, you know, it's their bread and butter. You know, it's, it's in their blood. Moving down the level just by one tier, you've got the you now you now find yourself at the professional boxer le- boxers level. Now these guys haven't reached the superstar level yet, but they're still earning a decent living from the boxing and fights that they that they do. And at this level, um, most boxers usually can anticipate to have at least three to four um, big event fights per year. And usually their their salary tends to be around the fifty one thousand dollar mark per year. Now, that may be a decent amount of money for most people, but many do argue, and I would agree with this, that for the fact that you're you're having to put in so much hard work and then at the end of it, deal with so much abuse when you're competing in the ring there, you know, that one, that one night will decide whether you win or lose, depending on how you perform in the ring. Um, many people, and again, I would agree, would agree with this, that that figure is way too low to compensate you for all of the hard work and the abuse you have to go through because, let's not forget, there's the hard work of training and perfect, and just uh, keeping strict diet, uh, maintaining weights and uh, just maintaining your sh- being in shape and you know just making sure you're ready for the fight. Then there's the, the issue, the, then there's a stage of actually performing, competing in the ring. After that, whether you win or lose, you also have to consider any health you know, issues you have afterwards, especially things as such as you know dealing with being struck in the head so many times, being punched, drunk, and other issues such as CTE and you know, memory loss because of brain damage and, and so on. So you know all those things have to be taken into consideration. And if you're in a country such as the US and maybe even here in the UK as well, but you know any country around the world, I, I think I think it's safe to say that in many places where you go to, the sort of healthcare you will need for those sorts of ailments will not necessarily be covered by the government's health service. I mean, even here in the UK, the NHS may not cover it. In the US, definitely it's not covered that you have to pay for your own health service health service, and for your own health care, so you'll need your own health insurance. Now, moving down the level further, you now have the amateur boxers. Now, at this level, the salary does, does tend to be significantly lower, a lot lower than two classes above it. And in order for the boxers to earn a living at this level, they'll obviously need to spend a lot of time training, in order, to, in order to win and to you know, at, at this level, basically, you are still trying to make a name for yourself, try to start your career, try and win as many fights as possible because you're still trying to make a name for yourself and to, trying to build up your name, your brand, and you're trying to. Though I don't like using this word, trying to create a, a lot of you know hype around you. So, whenever you, uh, an event is scheduled and you're going to be fighting, at least luck if if you're lucky enough to be low on the main card, a lot of people come and see your fights there'll be a lot of eyes in this event and you know potentially you can still earn a decent amount of money but at this level most fighters excuse me most uh, most boxers are obviously trying to get into the level above the professional boxer level because at this level you know you do find that a lot of the, a lot of the boxers uh, they, they do face other issues as well not just the money side but sometimes in the fight they can be they can be double crossed by their managers. They'll fight. They'll fight. Um, the participate in the fight, a boxing match. They win, and then one thing leads to another, and they're told an excuse. Blah blah blah. Sorry, we can't pay you because of this or that. So things like that do happen because at this level, you know, you're still trying to make a name for yourself. You're still trying to get people, the big names, the big promoters, to take you seriously. And if you're not taken seriously, you can be walked all over. You know, can be treated like crap. <clears throat> 
so at this level, um, fighters, excuse me, boxers can earn potentially between nineteen thousand to twenty-six thousand dollars a year, and yeah, as I said before, a lot of hard work is needed to just build yourself up and build up your career and your name. Now, moving on to the sister sport of uh, this of uh, combat sports, which is MMA. Now. You have a, it's a similar sort of TSS and the superstars, the professionals, and the amateurs. So, starting with the superstars, you have the big names, uh, examples of the superstars such as Nate Diaz, Conor McGregor, GSP, uh, um, Khabib. Even though GSP and Khabib are not no longer um, participating, no longer active, they retired, but you can just use them as examples of when they were fighting anyway. They could potentially can earn a large amount of money, though it's still not nowhere near as as large as what you find it on the boxing side of things so this level fighters can tend to can anticipate to earn a basic salary of three million three million dollars per year and um further afield um the rest can be earned through sponsorship deals through their social media following and they can earn approximately 30 million dollars extra excuse me Sorry, guys, my throat's getting dry there a little bit. So, of course, to reach this level in uh, mixed martial arts, you do need, again, obviously, a lot of hard work, um, a lot of experience, a lot of success. And, of course, you, it's always much more preferable and beneficial to the fighter if they've got, in their record, they've got more wins than they do over losses. And, of course, at this level, um, it's not just the fact of how many wins you have or losses, but how entertaining of a fighter you are. So if you do have a lot of wins, but you're not that fun to watch, then, you know, if, if really done inside the, in the octagon inside the cage, then, you know, really you're not going to have many people, even though, you know, even though you win, a lot of people are not going to tune in to watch you fight. So uh, that, uh, that again, can also affect your purse. So moving down, we now have the professional uh, fighter level. Now at this level, the average fighter can anticipate to earn approximately thirty-eight thousand dollars per year, and um, and it's also good to take into consideration into account that at this level, a lot of professional fighters unfortunately still earn less than this, and their earnings fall into the range of seventeen thousand and five hundred twenty pounds per year. But of course, I will digress a little bit further. At this level, so there is like a, a large range, which ranges from seventeen thousand five hundred twenty to uh, to an upper range of fifty nine thousand. But even then, that being said, the fighters are still paying for a lot of things. They're paying for their gym equipment, therefore the venues they go to to train, paying for their nutritionists, their trainers, their coaches, uh, security, hotels where they stay, travel. Uh, a lot of other things all those expenses they have to pay for and before um, before they can actually keep on their winning money or even their, whatever the money they get even if they lose enough for showing up you know they've got um, after making all of these expenses you, f- they do tend to, you do tend to find that actually you haven't got much left so um, at this level I, I would assume that sponsorship deals also help as well but again it would depend on the sort of um, organization you're fighting for. So a good example is the UFC, who are very, very stringent and very, very inflexible. Um, 
with the sort of sponsorship deals that their fighters can have of course we everybody knows about the rebook deal that happened sometime in 2016 15 and that really um, hurt a lot of the purses for many fighters and they uh, were actually forced to leave because they lost a lot of money through um, the sponsorship deals which had to be cancelled because everything had to go, uh, now had to go through rebook so now the amateur level in mixed martial arts is probably the worst uh, ranking of <laughs> of all and it's probably even worse than the amateur level in boxing because at least this level uh, the fighters usually don't tend to earn anything at all and um how you're treated by managers and promote and so-called promoters is actually far worse um your fighters don't really earn anything at all at this level they're not paid anything to even compete most of the money earned in at an event goes to the goes to the uh, individuals and the organizations that's actually responsible for holding the event and making the event happen and um the promoter who makes sure that the fight happens uh, of course they, like in boxing there's always the at this level there's still the issue of the fighters still building themselves up at this level and still trying to make a name for themselves still trying to forge out their career and again at this level you're still trying to get the big names to take you seriously but for fighting you know because it's still very much mixed martial arts is still very much a sport that's still growing in comparison to boxing boxing which is a far more established sport around the world mixed martial arts you know at this level you can have amateur fights uh, even illegal in many parts of the world so you're going to be holding an event and for some one reason or the other it doesn't happen it doesn't hold uh if that does ha- if that does happen uh you do find in many situations the people promoting the fight actually keep all the money the fighters don't get anything even if it's a fighter that wins and you know they don't you can find the people responsible for holding the fight can double cross the fighters and i have heard many stories where this has actually happened and again, fighters at this level still have to pay for things such as the, such as travel costs and uh, expenses for hotels, paying their coaches, and just accept just the usual things you need to train to become a fighter. Now, the million dollar question. Excuse me. Mouth gets so dry so quickly when speaking on making these podcasts. So. Why do boxers tend to earn more than mixed martial arts fighters? Well, boxers tend to earn more than um, than mixed martial arts fighters since the promoters that they work for do not work using a sort of monopolized system. You know, on the other side with mixed martial arts, and a very good example again is the UFC. The UFC is was the first um, mixed martial arts promoter promotion fighting organization that promotes the sport in around the world especially here in the west in the uk europe and north america um and the first people to um, really get eyeballs on the sport and they're the, really the first lot that might manage to you know make the, the sport mainstream you know even now it's still a growing sport it's is nowhere nowhere near as well as established as boxing is so because of that the ufc have a very big share in the market for the sport and again because of that they can choose them how they pay their fighters <laughs> in some cases whether they pay, whether they pay their fighters at all and then they are notorious for how badly they pay their fighters and you know because of that because they got almost almost like they got that 
you know, like they're the king of mixed martial arts when it comes to uh, mixed martial arts um, promotions and mixed martial arts events. You know, they know they can pay their fights whatever they like, and still many people watch their fights will pay to watch their fights, and many other fighters will be happily come in and come in and take the place of the fighters who, who you know, who speak up and make up make a lot of noise about the inadequate salary that they're receiving, which is as far as they're concerned isn't isn't really enough to equate to or to compensate all of the hard work and the abuse they've had to undergo to win a fight. So even you know, even if they lose a fight. You know, they still want some adequate, adequate compensation for all of the hard work and the abuse they've been through. Now, another reason why is that probably because boxing is far more well established, um, <coughs> the boxing athletes do have a greater um, option of greater, a bigger option, a wider option of fighting organizations to choose from. Whereas fighting organizations for mixed martial arts at the moment isn't so much. I mean, we've got the big names such as Bellator, UFC, One FC, and of course the the names I've been mentioning now for I mean, for a big chunk of this podcast, the UFC, and of course there's other names such as PFL and other other brands which probably are not so uh, well known as these uh, ones I just mentioned: Bellator, UFC, and One FC, and. <coughs> And it's not just the fact that there's a diff- more, there's more fighting organizations with boxing, but also the fighting organizations in mixed martial arts. When it comes to when it comes to the fights are being promoted, being part of a fight in mixed martial arts, the fighter has to go and enter into a contract with the fighting with the with the, with the organization. Again, the UFC is a really really good example of this because they're so notorious for doing this. Um, you know they um, you know the fighting organization more or less ties the fighter into a contract, and the contract has to run its whole course. So, if a if a contract consists of four or five fights, the fighter has to fight all of those fights before, um, regardless of the salary, regardless of anything else, whether they're winning or losing, they have to fight all of those fights and can finish complete all of those fights before they either renew their contracts or find another organization that they want to fight for or work with. But with boxing, it's quite different. In boxing, the opposite is the case. If a particular promoter, if a particular fighter can't agree on something, the fighter is more than is more than you know happy, more than you know within their rights, they're free to move to another organization and probably you know work there instead. But with mixed martial arts, you can't do that. You know, again, look at the UFC. Um, you can see they're just a really good, notorious example of how they treat their fighters, how their fighters have to stay in a con- state in a contract and basically fulfill that contract in, in some cases there have been stories in the past and this probably was in the early days in the early 2000 early to mid 2000 whereby um there were certain tv programs certain tasks that um, the organization wanted the their fighters to do which didn't have much to do with with mixed martial arts with the sports as, uh, really as, um, as such but just to boost the name the branding of the organization the organization told, said that the fighter had to do this, otherwise they'd be cut from the team, they'd be cut from the organization. You know, but in boxing that rarely ever happens. So I think I've mentioned already that uh mixed martial arts really has um only become mainstream in the past maybe um, three, four, five, six years. Uh probably from around two thousand ten or oh nine, twenty eleven it's become much more mainstream. 
and whereas boxing does have a far more richer history a history that goes back about 70 80 or 90 years it's a very very old but very very well established sport around the whole world mixed martial arts is not necessarily the same case at all even because there's some countries whereby mixed martial arts just not just practicing but also hosting a mixed martial arts event a mixed martial arts fight is completely illegal and even if you go to the u.s um, although this is different now but not too long ago certain states the, the, the ufc and i think bellator and other american fighting organizations couldn't host fights in certain states in the u.s because it was illegal so i think i mentioned history of the sport and yeah you know boxing also tends to reach a much more a wider audience around the world and those just that particular um that particular point there does also help uh, the boxers earn more money because again you have more people further afield um whether it's outside the country where they're from or out of the country where they're going to be hosting the fight or the country where they're going to be competing or where the venue is based and again more people can watch their fights more people can um, there's more eyes more attention on the event and also if they do win you know if they if if events that they're involved in or events where they're going to be competing in is showing to more people further field outside of their country or outside of the country where they're going to be competing in more and more often then many people internationally will know their name will know who they are and again that <laughs> that helps that adds to to that stardom fame that add, that adds to that to that boosting of their name and that boosting of their brand as an individual so again it helps them earn more money uh more brands around the world international brands even brands outside of their country would like to approach them for sponsor for sponsorship deals and so again that that is um that's an added bonus right there so another issue with um the um that kind of dictate dictates that the salary between um the level of pay that the mixed martial arts get in comparison to boxers is the weight division so <clears throat> excuse me guys yes the weight divisions so in the ufc the ufc has nine weight divisions whilst in bo- most boxing promoters have around 17 so again this um if you've got more weight divisions then of course most uh, your, your athletes have a, a bigger range a wider range of weights of body weight of weights to choose from body weight wise in order to compete so um some people may choose to compete at say in pounds let me use that source let me use that system if they want to compete say at 70 pounds they can follow they can between 70 pounds to 80 pounds they can fall into that category or some people want to, um, want to compete at 90 pounds to 100 to 100 pounds or to or 100 pounds to 110 pounds they can compete in that sort of category you know boxing wise whereas in mma it, you know they don't you don't have the range really isn't that much likewise again the example is in the ufc they only have nine weight divisions whereas most boxing promotions promoters have about 17 weight divisions so we have more weight classes more weight divisions you have obviously have a wider spectrum of you know of weights you can that you can perform at you can compete at so where the weight divisions are much more narrower so before i get jumbled up where the weight divisions are 
a lot more narrower obviously there isn't that much liberty and that much freedom uh, you know how you can compete in the sport so where you've got more where you've got more liberty and much more flexibility in the way to visions to um at which way uh, which way you can, can which way you can potentially compete at obviously you can there's more flexibility in how you know i'm just drumming the whole thing up and just fucking the whole thing up where the more weight divisions you have uh the more flexible you can be with uh, your weight and uh, how you choose to compete in the sport the less weight divisions you have the opposite is the case so that is kind of self-explanatory you know not to get too technical with that and yes uh sponsors so boxing promoters uh, tend to be far more flexible with the sport with sponsors um they, they're not too stringent with it um mixed martial arts organizations actually mixed martial arts organizations it depends which one you go to the ufc is notorious and they're known for the rebook deal that they had back in 2015 or 16 and i think i already mentioned this probably earlier in the podcast is getting so dry so quickly so um organizations such as bellator one championship um pfl they seem to be a lot more flexible with the sponsorships um of course i'm sure they'll have some saying probably how many sponsorships and sponsors an athlete can have especially when they're competing in the octagon how many brands they can have printed on their tie and their shorts and their gloves and whatever else they you know they're wearing the ufc however is not the case it was before but before they had the rebook deal um spot you know athletes could go in there and just and you know have as many brands as they wanted to printed you know as many sponsors as they like basically um but now that's not the case everything's been narrowed down to rebook the only brand you'll see when you when you're in um the octagon though when you're watching the fight is a rebook brand on there on on you know if it's when on the upper wear and for men on the, sh- on the shorts I've heard that even in interviews, certain interviews, that because the athlete was wearing Nike socks or Nike flip flops or Nike shorts, they had to do the do the interview interview with all those things taken off. They had to take off their shoes, their socks, even their shorts, just to do the interview to make sure that nothing, no other brand name apart from Reebok, was showing in the interview. I mean, that's just how stringent, how strict they are. With other organizations, the Bellator One Championship PFL. That doesn't seem to be necessarily the case with boxing promoters. That that's not the case at all. There's far more flexibility. So, excuse me. That does again. That's another factor that almost that that more or less dictates. Um, how many that dictates um just the level of the salary um the, the level of the salary of mixed martial artists in comparison to the level of the salary of boxers. And I have to say that, you know, the UFC, the notorious of doing this, and it's left a lot of their fighters uh, feeling very much exploited. And I think not too long ago, there was a lawsuit that um, was brought forward in the courts in the US. Um, a few fighters who were currently fighting at the time still competing in the UFC. I think John Fitch was one of them. I think he led the whole case against the UFC. Um, I can't remember. I'm not sure what the um, outcome of the case was, but, you know, that just goes to show how bad and how how annoyed many some fighters were feeling and rightly so as well because you know um for combat sports as a brutal sport especially mixed martial arts well i in my own eyes from what i can see mixed martial arts seems to seems to be much more bloodier much more brutal 
um, than boxing does. Some people may disagree. That's fine, but that's not my opinion. It's something again that I look into another pod into another uh, another episode. Um, so for something like mixed martial arts, you know, I would say for all of the abuse you have to go through, and on the top of the all of the hard work, and, and again, not forgetting you, you have to compete at some point. You know, I would say that the uh, issue of the sponsors, especially for an organization such as the UFC, that has a massive share in the mixed martial arts um, market of the sport. That says, you know, for all the money the UFC earns, for all the money they make, and all their fights, and also sponsorship deals as well. I'm sure many fighters, unlikely so, will be feeling really angry. You know, I'd feel the same way as well. You wouldn't be properly be com- well, you want to be properly compensated for all of the hard work and for all of the abuse you've gone through to just to have a decent enjoyable and you know and good career in the sport doing something that you love so to conclude um mixed martial arts fighters especially those in the ufc do tend to get a really bad deal in comparison to boxers and you know for mixed martial arts fighters if they really want to earn a really good salary then they will be uh, they really should be aiming to um try and attain the superstar level of the sport because at least at that level if they've got a big name if they've really made a big name for themselves, if they've been, if they've had a really successful career, if they're really popular in the sport, if a lot of people tune in to watch them, to watch them compete, then at that level you can almost command the sort of salary that you want your employer to pay you. So uh, I'll leave it at that, guys, and make you can make of it what you will. So UFC 261 coming up, more or less today, because I'm recording this podcast on a Saturday morning here in in the UK. It's about half past one in the morning. <clears throat> so we have almost what's going to be considered to be the rematch between Jorge Masvidal and Kamara Usman. So Masvidal looking at one of his last fights with, with uh, Nate Diaz at UFC 244. Um, and that fight, Masvidal did look well-rounded, uh, had good stand-up, was dishing out some really heavy sh- um, shots and he seemed to be moving quite well and seemed to be moving quite evasively when necessary. But in his fight with Kamara Usman at UFC 251, um, you know, I could see that, you know, Masvidal had to fight a little bit harder, as in really had to be on his game, on point, when he was in the octagon there with Usman in comparison to what, what he was like when he was fighting Nate Diaz. Um, you know, so Usman, on, especially on the ground, you know, Usman, see, Usman has a really good ground game. So, um, but I mean, for my prediction of what's going to happen at you at the uh at basically what's going to be considered the rematch um i think Usman's going to take the win again yes from what i can see he's got good stand up and he seems to be the much more well-rounded fighter out of the two guys so yes i'm going to say i'm going to go with kamara Usman on this one he's going to defend that title and we're going to be hearing bruce bruce buffer say and still while they're holding up kamara Usman's hand at the end of the fight so the other fight that interests me on the fight card for um for tonight's fight because now I could say tonight it's a Sunday mo- it's a Saturday morning, uh Zangweli versus Rose Namajunas um now Weli looks like her would seeing her I've never seen her, seen her fight before but looking at one of her past fights uh, against Joanna Jerezik Jer- uh, Joanna at UFC two forty eight. Uh, looking at quick, briefly looking at background, Willie has a really an amazing record: twenty-one wins, twenty-one wins, and just one single loss. Uh, 
Currently, she sits at number three in the in the UFC women's and pound for pound rank, pound for pound ranking. Uh, she's a former Conlon fight um, story champion. Conlon fight, which I'm assuming will be a fighting organization like the UFC from China. And she's a current women's strawweight world champion in the UFC, and she is the first ever Chinese and East Asian champion in the UFC, in the UFC to to compete. Now she's got good stand up, and when she was fighting uh, Joanna, she you know her strikes looked really really heavy, and um, she seems how can I say from what I could see, she seemed to absorb certain shots quite well, and she still managed, managed to, to perform. And when it comes to movement, to her leg work, her footwork, she seems to be to move pretty, pretty, pretty well. Now her opponent Rose Namajunas, um, her last fight with Jessica Andrade at UFC two thirty seven, and Andrade is going to be Andrade is going to be fighting on this card as well, card as well UFC two sixty one. Now she's a former UFC women's strawweight champion. She sits at number one in the UFC women's strawweight rankings for in the UFC. She's a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. She's got good stand-up. She seems to move quite well. I was going to say that she's gonna. She had good, good ground game. I made this on my notes, but watching much, watching on closer inspection, a lot more closer. She, I was kind of thinking, hmm, I'm not so sure because ground ground game. Uh, you got to someone's going to get the other person down there first. And looking at her opponent, you know uh, Zhang, I'm not sure if she's gonna be able to be able to do that, um, because her stand, because Zhang's stand up is really, 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 really good, um, and the fight that she had with Jessica Andrade, Andrade managed to managed to body slam this girl on the canvas several times, but overall my verdict, I think uh, Zhang Weili will win against. Um, I guess Noah Junas at UFC 261. It could go the other way by a miracle. I don't know. Uh, wait and see. Uh, I wait and see what happens. But for these two fights, I'm going to say Kamara Usman and Zhang Wei Zhang will um, take the um, take the win. That's my opinion, guys. That's my prediction. So, um, guys, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I hope you enjoyed the video. Um, if you did, please do don't forget to leave a like. If you do enjoy my content, please don't forget to, to subscribe. It really helps me, helps me when you do that. I'm sorry, my mouth is just so dry. I don't know what it is. I don't know why it keeps happening. It's, um, Yes, and uh, you can follow me on Instagram. My name is IcoJarko1. On Twitter, my name is IcoJarko. And on Facebook, if you still use Facebook, I do. Uh, my name is IcoJarko. You can get my podcast on Spotify, Apple on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and on Google Podcasts as well, guys. Thanks.